I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Today, I am really honored to be joined by Erica Irish Brown. Erica is the Chief Diversity Officer of Goldman Sachs. And for those of you who don't know, Goldman Sachs is certainly one of the leading investment banks in the world, but also one of the leading companies in the diversity space. They are really on the cutting edge, in large part due to Erica's work. So Erica, thank you so much for joining us here today. Oh, thank you for having me. Good to see you, even virtually. Yes. Erica, I would love to hear about your career. How did you get your start? Sure. So I feel like I've had two careers so far. The first half of my career, I was an investment banker. So I started out of undergrad as an analyst. I spent time down in D.C. at the U.S. Treasury in the Clinton administration, then went back to business school and was a banker for many years in high-yield capital markets and BizDev at BET, a Viacom subsidiary, And all the while, I had a second job, which was diversity and inclusion. Because as a Black woman, you were probably many times the only Black woman in the room. Sure. I definitely was used to often being the only woman and or the only African-American and or the only Black woman for my time working in those roles, except for my tenure at Black Entertainment Television, which there was some nuance there. But all the while, I always had that second job I was referring to, which was diversity and inclusion. At that time, there was no one with a role like mine. And I had found my way to Wall Street through a minority internship program. So definitely felt, you know, to whom much is given, much is required, that there was an opportunity to give back and create opportunities for others like that had been created for me. So when I had the chance to move into diversity and inclusion full-time at the firm where I got my start, I jumped at it. And it's 15 years later now. Wow, that's incredible. (laughs) Opportunity came to you to take on this new diversity and inclusion role. Yeah. And along the way, clearly you were promoted many times and you had career growth. What do you attribute your success to? And what do you recommend to our audience they can do to help further their career, get promotions, get noticed? Sure. I think one of the things I benefited from was mentorship. I didn't have many sponsors in my career, but I certainly had mentors and people to help me understand how to do my my role. Certainly, uh, I worked really hard, persevered, had a really strong work ethic, and very much wanted to prove my capabilities in organizations where, again, I was one of relative few Black women. And I think that I was always willing to raise my hand and and take a risk, take on a big assignment, take on a big client, work in the group that was meant to be the toughest group, raise my hand to go to London when they needed somebody to go on an assignment outside of the U.S. at a time when actually I don't think, you know, those global assignments were as fluid. So definitely taking risks, having mentors. And also I felt very confident and I think confidence is a big point of differentiation. And I was always mindful that my confidence didn't outstrip my competence. Yeah. But uh, I felt like if I could answer at least three questions, you know, in terms of somebody challenging my work or wanting to understand where I had drawn my conclusions from, if I could, you know, answer at least three questions that I was prepared and I was ready to go and could debate and have a dialogue with 
anybody at the firm on where my views came from and why I was putting that work forward. How did you develop that confidence? A lot of it was developed at home, you know, and um, I was always a person of difference, whether or not it was my nursery school, my elementary education. I always felt like I was one of relative few. And my family was a very strong family unit. I had older siblings. I'm the youngest of five. Wow. So I also had to just fend for myself in general. But yeah. I, I always had four other people that had my back at all times and 18 first cousins on top of that. So definitely, I think that starts at home. I had parents who told me I could do anything, be anything. And, and I had the benefit of an education that I knew others from my neighborhood weren't being afforded that was going to take me places that would provide opportunities like the ones I try to provide people with now. So I think I'm getting some good parenting advice here too, which is great. I want to go back to the topic of mentoring a little bit, because one of the questions I get a lot is how do I seek out a mentor? If you have somebody who feels like they're having a hard time connecting, especially right now, everyone's so overwhelmed. We're trying to do it in a virtual world. How do you recommend someone find and ask for mentorship? Sure. So I think that it's best achieved through your work, your day-to-day work, and people who you can partner with and learn from that understand what you do and what it takes to be successful for what you do. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody inside of your organization, but it helps, especially if your organization has a unique culture. Um, and somebody that can point out where the landmines are and tell you all the unwritten rules. Very often, that's what women and people of color don't get when it comes to coaching and mentorship, because you need somebody to take an interest in you and tell you those things. You can't look them up anywhere. So I do think you have to seek out a mentor, and I think you have to be prepared to be a mentee. Mm -hmm. Um, When people come up to me and just say, can you mentor me? That's not really the approach. So even a mentee is somebody who's prepared that comes with very specific issues or development needs. They want to address very specific questions. You know, they've done their research and their homework on you, on that industry, on, you know, whatever it is, so that they really are using your time, like your time is valuable in an efficient manner. And it takes work, like any relationship. Things don't just blossom overnight. So you have to invest in that relationship and build it over time. Absolutely. And I think this idea that you should spend time understanding what you're trying to achieve, what you're trying to learn, finding the right person who can help you on that path, or at least give you information about that path and connecting the dots very specifically. Yeah. And by the way, you know, as a black woman, I have some mentors that were black women, but some of my most treasured mentors were white men. So I think a lot of times we all love role models and that's very important. But at the same time, you should have a diverse group of mentors, not somebody that looks like you or has a similar background. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your work and some of the things that you are finding most effective in advancing diversity racial diversity, gender diversity, what works in this environment? Sure. Well, there is no one silver bullet, as you can imagine. I think one of the things that works is getting people engaged, right? So I say that because very often people think of diversity and inclusion as HR's job Mm -hmm. or somebody else's job. And I think everybody needs to have skin in the game. Like any idea, 
people need to be part of developing the strategy and setting the goals and feeling like this idea, this opportunity, this strategy, they've had an input, they play a role and they own it. So that ownership is really important. I think setting goals, aspirational goals is important. So Goldman Sachs uses aspirational goals as a tool to drive performance. So we have public goals around entry-level hiring as well as VP representation at the firm. And it sets our sights on a goal that we can potentially achieve if we push ourselves. And that which gets measured gets done. So I think that that's effective. The other thing that I think is important is to create opportunities for accountability, to hold people accountable. And at Goldman Sachs and many other firms, uh, we have a global inclusion and diversity committee. We also have regional committees in each of our four regions. But I think having accountability bodies and committees that are senior level people, that there is a sense of accountability and reporting out to that group on what progress has been made. I think is an effective tool to drive performance against whatever aspirational goals or strategy you put forward. Great. So aspirational, measurable, and then create accountability. And I I like the idea of creating all these committees because really you're, you're giving people a job, giving them a responsibility and an infrastructure in which to be involved. Yeah, absolutely. So 2020 has been an incredibly challenging year in many ways with multiple crises, healthcare crises, economic crises, racial injustice crises. What are you doing differently as a result this year? And what tips do you have for our audience on how to persevere? We're seeing burnout at all-time highs. How do people manage through month seven of this? Yeah, it's been a rough year. So for me as a Black woman, as a mother of three, with an 88-year-old mother who's extremely vulnerable in the current environment, I definitely have had a lot to juggle uh, and have been working uh, really tough hours. I do set boundaries, and we encourage everybody to set boundaries. So I'm very clear when I'm not available I'm very clear when I need to take my child somewhere or go to a doctor's appointment, whatever that thing is, it's in my calendar and I'm transparent about it. So you have to set boundaries and set priorities and make sure that you're not losing sight of that. I think the other thing is that you have to communicate. Mm -hmm. Communication is so important and much more often than you might have communicated previously with your team. So I am definitely communicating more frequently. I've set up additional forums to like connect with my analysts and, you know, my analysts in Bengaluru and my analysts in Hong Kong, you know, and really making sure that people feel connected and to the team and they know that I'm available to them. So I think that that's an important part of leadership is making sure that you know what your team needs and that they know that you're there for them. And I've tried to do that as well. I think the other thing I've done is created outlets. So, you know, my outlet has been exercise. Mm -hmm. So at first, as you can imagine, like everybody, I gained that COVID, you know, 10 pounds (laughs) and my gym had closed and, you know, I just had to figure out how to recreate everything, but having something that is an outlet, a stress reliever, something you enjoy doing, that's a reset button that can clear your head, whatever that is for different personalities. 
is really important. And I had to regain that, you know, because I felt like, you know, something was absolutely missing when I did not have an outlet and I was feeling that. And I really felt a sense of a recentering that occurred when I reworked my workout and made sure that I was getting exercise and running every day and doing the things that I enjoy doing physically as well. That's amazing. I mean, you're doing so much, taking care of a parent, taking care of children, taking care of a team, and you have to, it's a must to still find time to take care of yourself or you won't be able to hold it all up. No, that's right. Great. One last question about you and your career. Can you tell us about a mistake you made along the way and what did you learn from it? You know, I'm one of those silver lining people. I feel like every time, you know, there's been a mistake made, either been able to turn it into, you know, a learning experience and or even sometimes I feel like I have enough good karma in the universe that even when I think it should have been this, it ends up being that and that ended up being better than this. Wow. You know what I mean? So I definitely have always tried to take the positive lens, you know, to do diversity inclusion work, you have to be an optimist. That's for sure. But I I love that answer because really it is all in the eye of the beholder, right? A mistake is only a mistake because we thought it was, right? If you got something good out of it or you learned something, a good lesson, Yeah. I mean, you know, and feedback is a gift, right? And very often when you make mistakes, you get feedback as a result of that that's constructive. And so for me, my goal is just never to make the same mistake twice Mm -hmm. and to learn from mistakes and not to dwell on them either. I think a lot of people carry their mistakes and it's like luggage and it weighs them down and you know, I just have too much to do to be weighed down by, you know, every mistake that I've made. So I just try to learn and move on and take a positive attitude. And more importantly, I try to make sure people around me and my team don't make the same mistakes. So I do, again, pay it forward and share whatever I've learned. And as a leader, also admit when I've made mistakes or admit when things didn't work out or how we got to a better outcome through, you know, this individual's intervention. And I think that that, you know, honest and transparent leadership also can help you develop your team and build credibility with your colleagues. Yes. And I'm going to try to take that away from you today, because I will confess that I'm definitely one of these people who sits up between the hours of two and three contemplating the mistakes I made the previous day, (laughs) reliving them, not even the previous day, like the previous decade. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm going to try to let that go. All right, Erica, some fun questions for you. What is your favorite karaoke song? I'm Every Woman by Shaka Khan. Great song. (laughs) I love it. Is there a book you would like to recommend to our audience? Well, I think my most recent book I read was Begin Again, which is by Eddie Esquad Jr., a professor at Princeton. And it's his reflection on James Baldwin's America and America Today and the unfortunate parallels. And it's just really well written by a really brilliant individual. And I had the privilege of having a dialogue with him about his book on our, you know, Toxic GS platform. So we just did that not that long ago. Great. Yeah, definitely a book to check out. Who is a celebrity you would like to have dinner with? 
I mean, who wouldn't want to have dinner with like Oprah or Beyonce? Right. Or (laughs) both of them together, right? right? Or Oprah (laughs) and Beyonce. (laughs) And I will come to. We have a tradition. You've actually done this with us before. So at Fairy God Boss, we acknowledge that women are just not as good about bragging or taking credit for our achievements. And so I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to brag to us about your achievements, please. (laughs) I have built an incredible DNI team at Goldman Sachs that works incredibly hard. Uh, we have a lot of work to do, but we have innovated some uh, really interesting programs in the name of driving racial equity and in an environment that was unexpected. So super proud of our reverse mentoring program of our management committee being mentored by our Black MDs, really proud of our Ally for Racial Equity Guide and the dialogues that we're having in the divisions on allyship for racial equity. So I think we're innovating in the space. I think we had a great platform to start from, everything that has been built at Goldman Sachs over the years in DNI. And I'd like to think that we're taking it to the next level and that we have captured this moment and we're turning it into a movement for racial equity at Goldman Sachs. Sounds that way. It sounds like you're really doing progressive, deliberate, applicable, innovative work that lots of organizations could benefit from. Congratulations on that. We're trying to share anything that we learn. Like, you know, we don't claim to have it all right, but things that we build and anything that we've learned or resources that we've leveraged and we can share, uh, we want to share those best practices with our clients, colleagues, partners. uh, So that's what we're trying to do as well. Love it. All right, to close, Erica, what is the one piece of advice you would want to leave our audience with? I think one piece, one is always hard, but silence is endorsement, right? So use your voice. You know, don't be afraid to use your voice to speak truth to power and to be somebody that views themselves as an agent of change, an innovator, a creator you know, use your voice, I guess would be like the summary of my advice, because there are so many people and especially women who don't share their ideas, that don't say what they really think, that don't provide their perspective, especially if it's different than, you know, the senior person in the room or the leader, you know, of the team. And the best ideas that are never heard, right? (laughs) You know, they don't get implemented. So use your voice. Great advice. Really great advice. Thank you for sharing it. And it sounds like you've really lived that. You had great confidence. You really showed willingness to take risks along the way. So Erica, thank you for sharing your story with us today. Thanks, Romy. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.